the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. We're doing YouTube or no? Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Appreciate you guys being here. And Larry Rosenthal is here in studio with us as well. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I'm doing really well. It's a Memorial Day weekend, and so we certainly want to send a shout uh, and a remembrance for those who have fallen in years in the memorial. Without weekend. a doubt. God bless America. Happy yeah. Memorial Day weekend to everyone, to everyone who has served, is currently serving, and will serve. We appreciate your service absolutely, without a doubt. You know, what a great country. That's for sure. Amen. Best one on the planet, right? You got it. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Uh, Chris, I, I, you know, I, I didn't catch it, or did we? I know you got some new gear here, but uh, the YouTube is not. No, the YouTube has fallen by the side for today. We'll get it next week. But uh, yeah, well, next week you can check us out at LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. But today there's no visual of the, of the uh, uh, program. Going I'm not on looking today. my best today, anyway. So yeah. <laughs> you're always looking good. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Well, hey, I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners for a couple decades now on WAVA in the D.C. Baltimore area or thereabouts, and um, as well as our our, our longtime listeners now on Sirius XM as well, uh, Border to Border, Coast to Coast, Family Talk Channel 131. It's Saturday. That means Open Mic Saturday. I got some questions this week uh, uh, that, that we came up with here to, to, to go through. You know, we get lots of questions throughout the week, but on Saturday mornings, it's Open Mic Saturday. Any mm-hmm. questions at all regarding the markets, the Fed, housing, retirement planning, college funding, uh, taxes, insurance, estate planning, whatever's on your mind, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions on anything at all. It's Open Mic Saturday. Well, Chris. Yes, sir. Let's celebrate bad news. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. 
You can't do that? You don't want to do that? <laughs> sure you do. do. do Celebrating bad news could actually make you money. Okay. All right. What are we talking about here, right? Yeah. What are we talking about, right? Well, we, we, we finally got some news this past week that seems to have changed the narrative on the Fed and inflation and corporate earnings. And therefore, the, new, the news was actually bad. It wasn't as strong. And what did the markets do? They rallied strong Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, and Friday as a result of bad news. Yeah. Can you think about that? Yeah, isn't that I mean, crazy? Think that all the way through, right? No wonder why people go, I don't understand the stock market, right? <laughs> okay. So, so here we have, you know, so, so uh, the markets basically adjusted to, to uh, uh, the Fed's new expectations on, or the market has new expectations on the Fed rate hikes coming forward, I should say. You know, at the last meeting, the Fed basically said, look, y'all, here's the roadmap. Two rate hikes, June, July, 50 basis points each. I still think we're going to get those. But maybe not as much on the second half of the year. We had weak, weakening U.S. economic uh, data this past week. We saw a sharp decline in home sales. Uh, matter of fact, I spoke to a realtor in Northern Virginia this week, and he told me that there's a whole lot of people putting their houses up for sale right now. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like trying to catch this the, the top of this wave, and I've and I've heard that as well from clients around the country also. So. So we've seen a sharp decline in home sales. We saw uh, a weaker purchasing managers index, and regional Fed surveys suggested that, that the uh, uh, central bank may not need to to tighten as much as they as uh, they thought they would in the second half of the year. Another another piece of data that came out supporting this was GDP. You know, when you look at GDP, gross domestic product. You look at it three times before you finalize it, and it, it pushed down again at the second pass in the first quarter. It was it was off minus 1.3. It dropped to 1.5. So even more bad news, right? And then the Fed, their preferred measurement of inflation, you know, you got CPI, PPI, and then you've got CPE, which is um, – I'm sorry, PCE, which is personal consumption expenditures. Mm-hmm. And that dropped from 5.2 in March to 4.9 in April. And that gives, that gives a much better view of, of the true uh, pieces of inflation out there. So, so a combination of all of this, actually the markets are looking at this going, maybe inflation is coming down. Maybe inflation is coming down. And then you go on and you take a look at, at CBO, you know, uh, uh, the office of uh, the Congressional Budget Office, mm-hmm. you know, and they're talking about now they're seeing inflation forecast at the end of this year running at about 4.7%. That's coming down from 85 to 47 on the CPI. That's a big drop, you know, and, and I've been saying all along the way so far, unless there's something dramatically wrong or another shock to the system, we expect to see inflation taper down from its peak the second half of this year, and the markets would celebrate that. Now, the question becomes, and, 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 and they're also talking about inflation dropping in 2023 down to 2.7%, and at the same time maintaining uh, a fully, in, uh, uh, fully uh, uh, full employment, basically, is the word I'm looking for, you know, yeah. keeping it close to the 50-year lows as far as unemployment goes, which is fantastic news you know and when you take a look at all of this inflation dropping down 
This is aiming at a soft landing. This is aiming at a soft landing right now because the Fed knows and realizes they can't fix supply chains or fiscal policy, right? Mm -mm. But they can incentivize us not to spend as much and bring, bring prices down. So as long as it doesn't cascade down too much, right, that's that's the you know the, that's what the dart is aiming for that bullseye right there. So we'll wait and we'll see. So now all the questions are coming around right now. Hey, is this the bottom? Have we reached the bottom? Right? You know, in 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 the markets, what where are we right now? <clears throat> is it at the bottom? Well, I would suspect this, and I've been saying this for 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 a while now, several weeks. If you go down the road, let's say to 2023. Let's just suppose, and there's no guarantees to any of this, but let's just suppose the markets reach a new high again in 2023 at some point. You're going to be able to look back in your rearview mirror and go, you know, that first half of 2022, the market was really, really low, and I got some good buys by putting money in at that particular point, okay? What day is the bottom? Nobody knows. That's very tough to call. I would never do that, but I would say it's in a trough. And that trough is starting to find some green shoots of growth again. Now, does that mean the markets are going to come flying back? No. Does that mean the markets won't drop back down again if there's some bad news uh, for, for that? No, not at all. My point is that, that as inflation continues to drop, the expectation that the Fed has to continue to, to tighten further and further and tighter and tighter lessens itself. And that's what the markets actually celebrated this past week. And so as a result, that's going to translate into corporate earnings sustaining as well. So, so even, even former Fed Chair uh, Ben Bernanke said Monday this week that he thinks the Fed is going to be successful in containing inflation. Uh, so, so lots of positive news out there on the economic front when it comes to this. And it's all going to it will all flow back into corporate earnings continuing to be strong as well. Let's go ahead and welcome Larry on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Larry. How are you? Hey, good morning. Yeah, hi. Yeah, not to take up a lot of time. Thanks. I'm getting ready to sell my house. Uh, the coming soon sign is up in the yard. Um, I was trying to have it ready before this interest rate uh, took a, you know, escalated here in the last several weeks, but I, but I wasn't ready. But I'm ready now. Now my question is. Am I going to run into any roadblocks because of these uh, uh, interest rates or whatever? Is it still a good time to sell? I only need like 90 more days, and I know it's going to be gone, but is anything working against those that are trying to sell? Thank you. Well, right now, Larry, what we're seeing is we're seeing more houses come on the market because people are fearful that the pricing escalation is going to slow down, and they want to try to peek out and get their, their, their you know the top dollar. So you're going to see um, less buyers coming in right now as buyers are starting to sort of smell that prices could be pulling back. So, so, so that's, you know, just get with your realtor and be aggressive in your pricing and, and in, in, in how you want, you know, the curb appeal to look on the home and just kind of go from there. So, you know, it, when, when you're looking to buy and sell your home versus a piece of uh, – <coughs> excuse me, investment real estate, those are two different things. You know, investment real estate should have non-emotions to it as far as that goes. But when you're looking to sell your home, now you, you sell home A, and you got to go buy home B, 
you know, I'm not so concerned because you're either going to be selling high and buying high or selling low and, and buying low. But if it's an investment-type property, that's a different type of a story right there. So appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Again, it's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a call with any of your financial planning or investment questions. We're celebrating bad economic news today <laughs> in the stock market, Chris. That's exactly what happened Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's now. backwards opposite day, I guess, right? There you go. It's the backward opposite day. That's right. So so on June 10th, we're going to get the, the next reading of CPI. We've got a lot of information coming out next week um, with, uh, uh, you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics, all the economic numbers. But on June 10th, stay tuned for June 10th. That's the day that we will receive uh, inflation numbers for the month of May. Mm-hmm. And if they are consistent with what we've just been seeing, then they should be they should they should drop a little bit which, again, would give a light at the end of the tunnel as far as the Fed being able to bring down inflation in coordination with you and I as consumers through what we call demand destruction. People are just simply spending less money right now for numerous reasons, okay, and and that'll help bring down uh, the price of goods and stuff like that. So let's hope that that continues, that that trend continues. It'll pass right on into corporate earnings, and it'll pass right on into repairing in, in the stock market losses. So expect more volatility still uh, for the first half of this year, for the next couple of months or so, uh, and, and, and then hopefully it'll be a little bit smoother ride. The Fed's also going to be speaking on June 14th and 15th. They're going to give us their playbook at that particular point, too. So lots of data coming out in the next couple of weeks or so. Hey, let's open up the phone lines. Give us a call today at 855-ROSE-123. 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More making money sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org.
Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. That, of course, the Marine Corps theme. We appreciate our armed services on this Memorial Day weekend, especially those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, which is what Memorial Day is all about, for those fallen soldiers that we dearly love from our past. Well said, Chris. Absolutely. Well said. Hey, let's welcome Kathy on the line from Great Falls. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Hi. Um, uh, hope all is well with you guys. So I have a question regarding uh, selling our house. We were thinking of selling our house. So we have a, <clears throat> like, our house is fairly new, like two years. And then we were thinking of selling it and then renting for another year or two. And once the prices are come, come down, so we'd consider buying another one. Would it be a risk to doing this? Uh, just well, yes, Kathy, there, there would be a risk in doing it. First of all, you've got the cost of a move. Then you've got real estate commissions to sell, real estate commissions to buy again. Okay, so if it's six percent on both transactions, there that 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 can be a chunk as well. So the risk that you're that you're looking at is you're saying, okay, if I'm going to sell my house, let's say your house is worth seven hundred thousand dollars, okay, and you you're being charged six percent commission just to just to do math easy, okay, so so that's forty two hundred dollars, right? I'm sorry, $42,000, excuse me. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And and so now you need the 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 house the the new house to drop by at least that, but then you're going to buy another one at another 6%. So you need you need the property value to come down about $80,000. So if you're at 700,000, you need real estate to drop almost 10%. So then the question becomes mm-hmm. what drives real estate prices up and down? Remember, it's an asset, okay, and it's an appreciating asset. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down, but it's done based off of supply and demand. And you take a look right now, yes, maybe, you know, real estate prices have accelerated, I mean, at a parabolic rate here in a short period of time. It can't sustain that level of acceleration all for you know for for a lot lot longer it can't but that doesn't mean that it's going to come way back down to where it was seven or eight years ago either at the same time you'd be really trying to bet that the market is really going to drop substantially so then you have to take a look at supply and demand factors and yes interest rates are getting higher that might mean that somebody is going to buy a home, but they're not going to have a three-car garage. Maybe they're just going to have a two-car garage on it. You're going to get less square footage, but you're still having that demand because when you look at the millennial generation out there, which is bigger in population size than the baby boom generation, they're 27 to 34 years of age right now, and they're moving into that home buying stage. And we still are about five and a half million units nationwide under inventory. So there's still substantial demand in the marketplace for real estate. So I would suspect, and nobody knows this, right, but I would suspect that prices will will come down a little bit. But the risk that you're looking at is selling your home now, renting for a couple years. You're hoping it drops pretty substantial. I, you know... That that is a risk, is is what you're saying, because it looks like for the next handful yeah. of years we're going to have demand in that marketplace. So 
Okay, you know, thank good you luck so with that much. decision, that but but you asked the right question. Yep, you asked the right question. Is it is it risky? Yes. Yep, you're welcome. Appreciate the yes. phone call. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, for uh, in Mark chapter 8 verse 36 it says, "For what does it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his son?" In Proverbs, riches do not profit in the day of wrath but righteousness delivers from the from death and in Matthew 6:24 it says no one can serve two masters either he is going to love one uh, and despise the other who be devoted to one but he, or, and and not the other you cannot serve both god and wealth at the same time and this brings us right here to this investment conundrum that we're in today chris we are in an investment conundrum whether you understand it or not or believe it or not it's but a conundrum here, that's why Here it understand. is. Here's the conundrum, okay? <laughs> We've obviously seen people exit the marketplace, right, the stock market, because prices came down. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So now – We've got some new economic news, and the, the debate now on all the business channels is, is this a bear market rally? Is this a dead cat bounce? What does this mean? Does this mean that we've seen the bottom and the market's only going to go up from here? Or does it mean that you put the money back in right now after a 6 7% rally this week or whatever it was, only to see the market come back down again next week? Or three weeks from now, what is the story here? How do you time this this little W, this sawtooth W, going mm. up and down, up and down, up and down, until we get, quote, unquote, the all clear button, right, hit? And the all clear voices aren't there, aren't there just yet. And this is where people get into this investing conundrum. And I, I've told you about this for, for, for weeks and weeks. This day will come when we start to get positive news regarding stock prices turning the corner scraping along the bottom and moving back up now does it mean we're at the bottom i have no idea nobody knows but my point is this is that when you go back and you look at the last 20 some years in the market in the s&p 500 the market's done a little under 10 percent the average investor's done right around three and it's because of these points in times right here when they go, you know what, I just don't want to get back in. There's just too much bad news out there. You know, wh- what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And boom and boom and boom. And then they finally wait for a while to get back in when the all clear button is sound. And by then it's too late. And you've ended up selling out low and buying back high. And that's one of the big mistakes that people make. That's why we're in this investing conundrum right now. We've got to build a portfolio and let that portfolio ride its way through these short periods of times like this that's that's the deal that way you end up not having that 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 risk of market timing let's welcome abraham on the line is that the right button yep there we go let's welcome abraham on the line from dc good morning abraham how are you doing fine how are you doing sir i'm well how can i help you sir yes i'm planning to retire when i'm 52 early retire and i do have a house and uh, i'm asking now if it's a good idea to sell the house and invest or whatever the proceeds I have, or just rent it out and get some uh, extra income with my Social Security benefits. So let me understand this, Abraham. When you retire, you want to sell your house, you want to move somewhere else, so you're either looking to sell your home or rent it out, correct? That's right, yeah. So that's just simply a 
a lifestyle and math question, okay? Um, one, first of all, lifestyle question, do you want to be a landlord? Do you want to continue to, to have upkeep on the home? You know, a lot of times when people um, rent out properties, that what they don't account for is, okay, now the air conditioning unit went out. I've got to pay for that this year. That subtracts from your net income off of that source. Uh, also okay. taking a look at the tax scenario there as well. However, on the flip side of that, it's wonderful to have a stream of pensionable income coming in, right, from the rental property, while at the same time still maintaining ownership, which gives you the opportunity to participate in that asset increasing, you know, for years down the road. On the flip side, if you go sell it, now you've created this cash, okay, and, and that cash can be used in an investment program to generate the same type of an income stream. So both of them, both of those scenarios will enable you the opportunity to generate an income stream. You just have less um, lifestyle issues on rental property than you do with the money being sold, put into investment uh, program to generate the, the investment for you. As real estate goes up over the years, so too stock markets go up and down over the years as well. So your money's gonna be in an appreciating asset, whether it's in, in stocks or it's in, in um, real estate, and it really boils down to what you and your family really wanna do with the home and your lifestyle on it. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Larry. May God bless you. That gives me good idea. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. If you like, I'll go ahead and I'll put you on hold and I'll have Bob send you out our financial planning toolkit, okay? And uh, Thank you with, so much. with that toolkit, it'll help give you some ideas and thought patterns on, on, on that whole scenario. So appreciate the phone call. God bless Abraham. Have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend there. So, yeah, it's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, Real estate in financial planning decisions. You know, we've had a couple of real estate calls today. Let's talk about that. You know, what do you want to stay in your home for as long as you possibly can? Do you want to trade down the home? How do you pass real estate on to heirs in the most appropriate way? Uh, what about your location? You know, you, you raise your family in a certain spot, and then the, the kids grow up, and they move away, and they start having grandkids. And then you're going, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go live near where the grandkids are. You know, I've seen times when, when people have done that, and the kids move back. <laughs> and then the parents are like, wait, wait, what's going on? And start chasing you around the country. So, so lots to talk about uh, with all of that. You know, and, and, and there's a couple of different ways to turn equity into income in your retirement years. One of them is, is a trade down where you actually sell your larger, more expensive, more valuable home and buy a smaller, less maintenance worried type home and cash out some money and then invest that. Another way is, is a, a uh, reverse mortgage uh, type of a program, which will generate either a lump sum or, or streams of income. And then a third way is what's called a sale leaseback, where you actually sell your home to your adult children. That gives you the opportunity to cash out 100% of it and turn that into income, and you never have to move. And they give you a lease back for life, hence the term sale leaseback. Uh, very very uh, uh, interesting strategies, those three strategies, when it comes to turning the equity in your home into streams of income during your retirement years. 
And, uh, you know, if you real estate for a lot of people is one of your largest assets that you have, especially with these prices right now. More importantly, when you take a look at, at real estate in financial planning, how do you pass that asset on to heirs or to charities? You know, um, usually, typically what we see is we see the home titled Mr. and Mrs., you know, John Doe or whatever it is, John and Jane Doe, joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Well, if something happens to both of them, that house will then go through probate because there's no legal means to pass that asset on. You need to have that, that property put into a trust. So the trust owns it, or you need to have it assigned a beneficiary form, like in Virginia it's called a transfer on death form, TOD form. And there, now if something happens to the, to the married couple who owns the house, um, now there's a legal beneficiary form or through that mechanism of a trust to pass that asset on. It avoids probate, uh, which is uh, in some cases can be timely and, and, and uh, expensive. Uh, and create some more hassles and 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 things at a very bad time. And it's lives. very public, actually. Yeah. It is probate is public, but you know, when's the last time you went down to probate court and looked up somebody's affairs? Chris? I do I do that every week. It's, it's my part <laughs> no, you job. Don't. I know you don't. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But that is true. It, it, it is public a record as far as that goes. So so when it comes to real estate, how to manage the equity inside of it, and then how to pass it on. It needs to be a pretty in-depth conversation. It, it definitely does. What happens if you have uh, three children? One wants to move into it, one wants to rent it out, and the other one wants to sell it. Mm-hmm. Now what are you going to do? How do you clarify that, that scenario when you give all of them an asset? Or even two kids. One wants to move into it, one wants to sell it. You know, And the one that wants to uh, 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 move into it doesn't have enough money. To, to buy the other one out, you know, or vice versa. Yeah, and usually know, so. when it goes to probate at that point, they're just going to sell the asset, right, and divvy, divvy out the sons in most cases. Not necessarily. Really? Not necessarily, yeah. Yeah, Some the judge could say, well, you know what? You two figure it out. Oh, it's yours. Wow. See ya. <laughs> okay. Right? You, you, you're not necessarily. Just never, just so never so know, you right? want to have some clarity of instructions. You want to talk to, to family members. And that's that's all part of generational wealth planning, especially with the prices of real estate these days, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure it, it transfers appropriately uh, so that you receive a stepped-up basis in value. You know, a lot of times there are people make a mistake just by titling the asset incorrectly. Maybe it's in Mr. and Mrs. You know, John Doe's name, and, and one of them passes. Their surviving spouse sometimes then says to their kids, hey, let me put your name on the title with me so that if I, if I pass, it goes directly to you. Well, that solves the probate problem, but it creates a massive tax problem. Let's suppose they bought that house at 500000 and now it's worth you know, eight fifty, and the second person passes, but they've retitled it with somebody else's name on it to, to make it pass and avoid probate, right? Now that beneficiary will have to pay will will have the home valued at eight fifty, but they assume the original cost base is at five hundred. So if they go to sell it, they've got to gain three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Versus if it was in a trust or on a TOD form, then that beneficiary gets the property at eight fifty. They can sell it and pay zero tax. So so the titling of the property and how you're going to pass it on can save you a substantial amount of taxation uh, to your heirs. Uh, not to you, because you're in heaven, but to your heirs, right? And so that's the deal there. So, so 
when it comes to the financial planning conversation of real estate, whether it's your primary property or rental homes or investment properties or whatever it may be, or even raw land for that matter, you need to sit down and have a, a, a game plan, you know, sort of sectioned out and all that kind of stuff. That's just the bottom of the hour here. Let's open up. Let's keep the phone lines open. Give us a call this Memorial Day weekend uh, with any of your financial planning or investment questions on any subject at all, real estate um, Re- refinancing, taxes, Whatever, yeah. estate planning, whatever's on your mind, the stock market, the Fed, uh, your retirement plan, 401Ks, whatever it may be, give us a call. It's open mic Saturday, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show on this Memorial Day weekend. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. I'm hoping that you're going to have something, uh, some sort of barbecue in celebration of Memorial Day or something going on at your house, Larry. Is that... Uh We'll we'll have something on the grill, that's for sure. And everybody's invited. And everybody's Chris, right? invited, right? So Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I'll be excited. We'll invite the whole audience over. Yeah, home. everybody. There might not be enough room in the backyard for that one, but you never know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll go to Bob's house. How's that? <laughs> that's an idea. Hey, so we did get some questions during the week, you know, before the show, and and we get questions all the time. You know, people go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and they fire us off questions during the week. We try and answer, and we try and send out, we send out a lot of information during the week. We almost have an information department that we send out to people. So, mm-hmm. so if you have questions that something pops into your mind, just visit our website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. I'll be more than happy to send you out any answers or information that you may have. And so one of the questions is, this week is, is what's the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? And it's pretty simple. Whenever you have an asset, if you want to put it into the trust, you just retitle it into the trust, okay? So you no longer own that asset. The trust owns it. And the reason that somebody does this is a couple of different reasons. One, it avoids probate like we talked about a little while ago. And two, 
having the asset inside the trust doesn't necessarily mean that the ultimate beneficiary is going to receive that asset right away after you pass. The language in the trust could say, you know what, take this investment here and divide it up into 25% and distribute it 25% each year to my heirs. Whereas if it's just on a, if it's just on a regular beneficiary form, then, heir, then the heirs could just get the money 100% right away. So the purpose of a, tr- of a revocable living trust there is to avoid probate, receive a stepped-up basis from taxes, which is a very good benefit, both of those, and then to direct how that asset or assets are distributed to the heirs. And it, and it doesn't have to be even. One child you can give the money to over 25% each year for four years. Another child, 100% right now. Okay? So, so the trust enables you to dictate how assets will be passed on to heirs and or charities. Now, an irrevocable trust gives you the same privilege just like that. The difference there is once you put an asset into an irrevocable trust, you take away complete ownership and control of that asset. Whereas in a revocable trust, you can add assets into it and pull assets back out of it. But an irrevocable trust, you cannot do that. And that's mainly used in irrevocable trust for estate tax purposes because when you irrevocably put an asset into a trust, an irrevocable trust, you are forever removing your ownership of that asset. So it takes it completely out of your estate for estate tax purposes. That's the main difference between a revocable and irrevocable trust. But when the conversation of trust comes up, people sort of get that glazed donut look. They're like, I don't know what a trust is. I don't know what it does. Just think of a trust as a suitcase. You put an asset into the trust, or into the suitcase, okay? And at some point in time, there's a time release button on there. You open up that suitcase, and there's a letter of instruction that says, hey, to my grandchild so-and-so, he gets this amount. To my niece, she gets that. And and, And you just distribute the assets according to what you wrote in the trust. You're just limited by your own imagination there. So that's the basics between revocable and irrevocable type trusts. Uh, if you want information on that, I've got a whole trust kit that we can send out to people, and, and it will just, you know, clarify. It's got a lot of the legalese in it, but it'll clarify a lot of it at, as far as that goes. So that was kind of one of the questions that that pops up, and and another question that pops up too this past week is, you know, is the market at the bottom now? And I love this question because the answer is, well, yes and no, because there will be more bottoms in your future. Let's suppose that the market is at the bottom right now in this market cycle. And and three years from now, the market's at a new high. Five years after that, it's at another new high. And then the market pulls back for whatever reason. There's going to be another new bottom in that time frame as well. Mm-hmm. There's always peaks and valleys, peaks and troughs in the marketplace for different reasons. So so you, you that, that's, that's the, the scenario right there is, w- is are we at the bottom right now? Possibly, but guess what? When the market reaches a new high again, and it most likely will, it always has in the past, right? We just don't know when. There will be another bottom at that in that particular market cycle. So you're always going to have to deal with that, uh, without a doubt. And, and part of the issue here is, you know, this is not your dad's or not your grandparents' marketplace. It used to be a long time ago. You could go to the bank and get four or five percent on your savings account. 
Those days are, are nowhere in the near future. Even with the Fed raising rates, you're not going to see bank accounts get that high. At least, you know, we kind of hope not because that means inflation's completely out of control. And from the looks of it, it it's, it's not at this particular point, which is good news. So we're still going to remain in what we call a yield-starved environment. Interest rates are going to remain low at the banks. Interest rates are going to remain low in quality-type bonds, all right? So, so in order to gain that growth, you're going to have to look at various types of stocks uh, and, and, and put up with the volatility. Now, just because you're in stocks doesn't mean that you have to have unnecessary risk. Just because you're in stocks doesn't mean you have to have wild volatility. There are stocks that have less volatility than others. There are stocks that have a whole lot less risk than others as well. And that's where you do your due diligence on your mutual funds, on your ETFs, on your individual stocks. Work with an advisor. Find out. Understand what your risk acceptance level is. And that, that's another funny thing, too, Chris, is when we see the markets pushing up, 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 up to all-time highs, everybody goes, yeah, I can handle the risk. It's no problem, right? When the markets come back down again, you kind of go, uh-oh, wait a minute here. Maybe I don't want that much risk, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's kind of the deal there. So I got to ask you a question, though. I mean, are we ever going to have to go to the be able to go to the gas pumps and drop less than a hundred dollars on a tank of gas? I mean, that's yes. a lot of money. Yes, it will come back again at some point down the road. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe not anytime soon, you know, but at some point down the road, yes. Uh, we are actually seeing uh, demand has actually dropped uh, by five percent as far as uh, gas gas goes right now. Mm -hmm. But remember, you're, you're, the, the gas you're, you're uh, consuming today was bought and paid for a couple of months ago. Oh, I see. So, so the, the price today is a lagging indicator of what the future prices are uh, in, 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 in gasoline, at the pump anyway. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's going to ebb and flow. It will come back down again at some point. Uh, it may stay stubbornly high for a while, Okay, um, but, you know, it, it will eventually come back down. When you take a look at a couple of the issues, one of them being supply chain, you know, around the globe, that is still creating uh, inflation pressures in the economy. Even if inflation does drop back down to where the CBO talked about 4.7% by the end of the year, we're still above the 2% targeted number, and we'll still be above it in 2023 as well, simply because of supply chain issues with with um uh goods uh you know uh, being delivered so so the fed can't control that at all but we will see it eventually come back down again good um to what level and when i i don't know i i would never put a time or a date on that uh but but it, it's going to ebb and flow along the way as well hey another question that we got too this this past week is what's the best time to take social security income when is the best time to take Social Security income? That's a you question know, we get a lot, actually. We do. We get that question a whole lot. And, and really, the best time to take it is when you need it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. When, if you're not work, let's suppose your normal retirement age is, let's say, 67 years old, and you're 64 and you're not working. Um, but you're pulling, let's say, you know, $15,000 a year out of your own savings and investments to maintain your standard of living, well, why would you not take Social Security at that point? Yes, you're going to get a reduction, but you're going to be able to save your own money. Social Security might give you the fifteen grand, and now you don't have to spend down your own principal each year. 
Because when you're spending down your own principal each year, you forever lose the growth of that money in the future, and you also can't pass on your Social Security to your heirs, where you can pass on principal to your heirs as well. So when, you know, this taking Social, the election of Social Security, the date of taking it is a big financial uh, conversation. It really is. And we, we use specialized software for that to, to show people how to maximize their Social Security benefits. And we really take a good hard look at that and put it into their financial plan because, you know, you don't want to make that type of a mistake on Social Security, that's for sure. And, and it is true if you wait till age 70, you'll get the most from Social Security. But it might not be the best in your financial planning world if you've spent down fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a year from your own savings and investments for the last eight or not you know seven or eight years or whatever it may be. So we look at breakpoints, we look at all those types of things. That's going to tell you the best time that you should be taking Social Security. So, hey, let's open up the phone lines again here, Chris. Let's uh, welcome some callers on the line. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five. Seven six seven three one two three. I'm Liz, I'm Larry Rosenthal. You're listening to Making Money Sense, and we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at eight five five Rose one two three. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 on this Memorial Day weekend, Larry. One of the, one of the other topics that we, we, we uh, get questions on a lot about is um, how to turn investments, current investments, into streams of income. And you have to take a look at where do you get income from today. You know, for example, bonds, the primary investment objective of bonds is current income, right? And when you take a look at, you know, the 10-year treasury, it's sitting there at 2.7%. So if you bought a bond with, with, with XYZ company, it's paying you 3%, you would go, well, gee, you know, on $100,000, that's going to give me three grand a year in income. 
Well, on a million dollars, it's going to be 30000 a year of income. Are there other bonds out there that are paying a higher rate than 3%? And the answer is yes. So the higher up your interest rate goes, you might find a bond at 5.5. You might find a bond at 9. The higher up the interest rate ladder you go, if you will, the more risky and less secure that bond is. And so that's where you want to say, you know, look, I'm, I'm looking to generate income from bonds because they're very stable, okay? They're senior, they're senior secured in some cases. Uh, if a company were to go under, if you were to get a senior secure bond, and, and so you can actually say, you know, hey, I'd like to get a 5% average rate on my portfolio with bonds. So you might have some that are paying a little bit higher, some right at the 5 and some a little bit lower. So you have a mixture of a handful of different types of bonds that can generate that type of income for you. And then those bonds come due at different times, and you just redo them again. So getting, getting income from bonds... Uh, which is the primary investment objective of bonds, is, is, is a good way to do it by buying a pool of different bonds at different rates. And with some bond prices today, they've been, they've, they've been pushed down. So as interest rates come down at some point in the future or they mature back at par, you could get a nice principal appreciation on bonds if you understand how the bonds are working these days. Let's welcome Marilyn on the line from, uh, from Maryland. Good morning, Marilyn from Maryland. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine. How can I help you today? A, well, I have kind of a an art question. We um, we own a house um, in another state, and a relative is staying in it. We're not charging the person anything. They're just um, paying the taxes and the upkeep. Um, we want to sell a house to that person, and um, but the the issue is is that they owe income tax, um, a, a sizable amount. Our, my question is, is should we, and it's, and it's going to, it may be a slight hardship on us, pay that person's taxes off with the, the um, I guess the word is, is the impetus is for them to, whenever they're able to borrow money, because that, that's, that the them owing owing income tax would inhibit them from being borrowed, but if we paid that off for them, so they would be more marketable to borrow money, they would have to borrow enough to repay us what we've given them to pay off the income tax. And so I just wonder, is that a reasonable? Because um, this is a family member. Is that you know, Marilyn? Reasonable? What? What I would do, I like the game plan on, on what you're trying to do. Um, you're trying to position their balance sheet so that they can get a, a favorable loan and then pay you off over time. Really what you need to do is contact a mortgage lender and find out what, what they qualify for in their current status and then see what needs to be fixed. That's okay. the way I would approach it. And if you want, I, I, can, I can send you over to a mortgage uh, lender uh, you know, this afternoon if you want. I can give you his number and you can give him a call and he can talk to you about it, okay? He would okay. know the, the details much better on that. So I'll just put you on hold here. Bob will pick up and get your information, and we'll pass you right over to Troy. So I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Faye on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Faye. How are you today? Yes, I am fine, thank you. Um, good morning, sir. I just want to inquire because uh, I live by myself, and uh, I am um, 80 years old. 
it, um, the property that I have uh, is un it's only under my name. So I just want to see if I can um, give it to my children just anything happened to me. Yeah, so Faye, so what we need to do is is we need to probably just take a look at all the assets you have and see who the beneficiaries are on everything. But as far as your property goes, it's very easy. You can just go down to the county's recorder's office and you can you can add a transfer on death form which acts like a beneficiary form well it is and it will tra transfer the asset the, the the home right to your heirs, okay? Um, okay. If you need help with that, I can have one of our advisors reach out and sort of do an estate plan for you and take a look at all of your, your information and show you how to go about doing that, okay? Okay, but will I be paying, uh, will they be paying? Because when, if I will be giving this to them, I want to give it as a gift. I so no, the know. beneficiary is not going to pay anything, okay? Especially okay. on an asset uh, like a I home, they receive a stepped up in basis. There. Pardon me? If I transfer it to them, if I have to go to the court of clerk, if, I if you, it if to you, you do not want to transfer it to them now, just when you pass one day. If you transfer it to them now, then they receive they re, they assume your cost basis for taxes, and then if they were to sell it, there could be a tax. Oh, but okay. if they receive well, the property after you pass then there would be no tax on that because they receive a stepped-up-in basis value. So if I go to you, through you, they will not be uh, receiving any, uh, uh, they will not be getting any taxes when they uh, receive Well, these. no matter who you go through, that's the rule, that's the law. But I can, I can have one of our advisors help you with this, okay? Let me let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your your information, and then we'll have somebody reach out to you next week and get a little bit more details for you. Okay. Yes, and also I have uh, you know some uh, because I'm getting a pension, and my pension is enough to you know uh, I'm receiving five thousand pension a month, and um, I have uh, all my money in the bank, and I want everything to be for you know. Uh, Divided into 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 five. Yeah, so we just need to do some estate planning for you. Or just estate planning. Yep. Okay. Okay. I appreciate the phone call, Faye. Let me put you on hold, and Bob will get some info from you, and we'll get somebody out there to 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 help you next week on the phone. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go ahead and welcome Robin on the line from Florida. Good morning, Robin. How are you today? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, my husband is probably going to be growing his full Social Security retirement starting in January, but I'm about three years behind him, and people are telling me I should draw mine now. I think my big question is, if something were to happen to him, and I've already started drawing my Social Security, which is going to be less than his, um, would I still be able then, after his death, to be able to upgrade my Social Security based on his Social Security benefits, or am I stuck with mine? Are you both fully uh, at full age of Social Security? He will be in January. I have three years before I am. Okay. 
Uh, here's what I'm going to do, Robin, real quick. I'm going to put you on hold because I've got about 30 seconds left in the show. I've got to close out the show, and then I'll pick you back up in about 25 seconds, okay? And I'll give you the answer, Thank folks. You. Yep, appreciate, appreciate you waiting there. So, hey, well, happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. God bless America. Appreciate everybody's service, active military. Mm-hmm. Uh, past military service and future people as well. So uh, for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.